Edited, revised, and re-recorded, this is The Addendum. Welcome to episode 134 of The Addendum. My name is Eric. The original draft of the story revised for this episode was not received particularly well. That was probably due in part to the ease with which the story is told. The mundane nature of the events and the dialogue can include poignant revelations for some individuals. Every time I read this story, I find it more enjoyable. It is relatable and memorable and remains one of the better stories that was written for this podcast. Without any further delay, the story will now begin. Frail Wolf by Keith Eric Brandt It had rained every day for the past five weeks. A majority of the residents of Fair Ridge had left when the storm drains began overflowing. The town power grid had been turned off and an evacuation was enacted when the lawns became inundated beneath the rising tide. An organized effort to help the remaining inhabitants vacate their homes had been underway for the past two days. The following morning, the dams upriver were going to open their gates. They would release millions of gallons of water that had been held back in order to avoid potential flood damage to the cities up north. It was predicted with fair certainty that the tiny town of Fairridge would be completely submerged for an indefinite period of time if it was not entirely washed away. Tyler was part of the rescue effort that was on a final troll through the neighborhoods. He was a remarkably average man in his early 30s who had lived in the town for more than half his life. He piloted a flat-bottom boat through the flooded streets, checking for people who were unaccounted for or had previously refused to leave their homes. He cut the outboard motor and coasted into the parking lot of the Arden Lane Convenience Mart. It was owned by a local businessman named Flynn, who kept it open as a means of profiteering during the evacuation. A levy of sandbags were stacked around the building and currently remained a half foot above water. The doors were propped open. Tyler tied the boat to one of the door handles and then carefully dropped himself down inside the entrance of the building. The interior was dimly illuminated by daylight. A film of water covered the floor. Then lines of visible current rippled inward from the levee at the doorway. Jenny, the store owner's daughter, was at the register behind the counter. She was in her mid-twenties and remained remarkably thin with the build of an athlete. She folded her arms across her chest. A fleeting look of disappointment quickly turned to disdain. She said, Why's it always got to be you? Tyler patiently nodded and said, There's no one else coming. I'm the last boat out of this end of town. He ran his index finger around the inside of his lower lip and pulled out a plug of tobacco he had been chewing. He dropped it into a plastic-lined garbage can at the entranceway. He walked over to the counter and said, I'd like a pouch of leaf tobacco. She wrinkled her nose and said, Snuff's all that's left. Tyler motioned at the shelf behind her. What about that right there? She did not move. It's not for sale. Tyler ran his tongue along the path inside his lip he had cleared with his finger. He said, then why is it back there? 
Jenny spoke with firm and deliberate enunciation. It's not for sale to you. Tyler pulled a rolled-up foil-lined pouch from his pocket and emptied the last of its contents into his mouth. He winked at her and said, I guess this'll have to do then. Jenny furled her lip. If you're not buying anything, get going. There's no loitering. Tyler worked the tobacco around into his cheek and then said, I'm offering you a way out of here. She sneered at him with contempt and said, You're not the only boat around. Tyler said, That may be, but I'm the only one authorized to be in the area. She shrugged as she shifted her weight from one foot to the other. You always think you're so smart. Tyler emitted a short breath of incredulity and shook his head. Not really, he said. But I do think you'd be a whole lot more likable if you didn't frown all the time. He walked back to the doorway and climbed back up into his boat. I'm heading out to Clyde's to see if I can get him to change his mind. You and him are all that's left on this end as far as I know. I'll head back by here on my way out. If you're not already gone by then, I suggest you be ready to go. He untied the rope and pushed his hands against the wall to put some distance between the boat and the building. Jenny walked up to the levee and into the daylight as he began to drift away. She squinted and said, How long's that gonna be? He said, 45 minutes or an hour, hopefully a lot less. He pulled the recoil cord on the outboard motor and it roared back to life. Then he waved to her before revving the engine and heading on his way. It was unseasonably warm. The air was wet and heavy with the dank odor of earthworms and ammonia. Everything was calm and quiet except for the occasional chirping of birds and the intermittent purr of other outboard motors in the distance. Tyler navigated his way with a fair amount of caution, avoiding as much floating debris as he could while remaining acutely aware of unseen hazards lurking below the surface of the murky water. After a few miles, he neared a modest old house worn yellow by time. Clyde sat on a wooden bench beneath the overhang of the covered porch. His downy white hair lay unkempt upon his head. His heavily lined face was pinched into a sour pucker because he had no teeth and he was not wearing his dentures. Tyler turned off the engine and waved as the boat glided up to the porch. He smiled at the old man like he was looking directly at the burning rays of the sun. He said, You mind if I dock here and come aboard? In a strained and dry voice, Clyde said, Don't know why you came. There ain't nothing for you to take. Tyler tied the boat to the deck. I was hoping I could convince you to come with me, he said. They're opening up the Anoka Dam tomorrow. All that water isn't going to leave much of anything in its path. Clyde scoffed a short breath and said, If my time has come, my time has come. Ain't no creature or man, great or small, that can change that. Tyler climbed onto the porch and stood before the old man. I have no doubt you are correct but I don't imagine there's much of anybody up there or anywhere who cares one way or another what happens down here. Clyde squinted at the young man with irritation. I didn't ask for your help. Tyler leaned over the side of the porch and spit. It floated upon the surface in a thick brown pool. I know you're not asking for help, but that doesn't mean I'm not offering it. The old man waved a dismissive hand. You're too ignorant to understand. There ain't no reason for me to go anywhere, he said. Ain't no reason for nothing. 
In the quiet heat of the late afternoon sun, the surrounding water could be heard flowing around the house. A crow called in the near distance. Tyler said, An ignorant man may not understand the reasons why things happen. A foolish man, on the other hand, refuses to recognize what is before him. I suppose I'd rather be ignorant than foolish. The old man looked down and worked the toe of his boot back and forth upon the wooden deck. There's nothing for me anymore. There's nothing other than what Dorothy and me had here. She's gone, and this is all that's left. Tyler watched him for a moment and then said, I don't have any answers. I don't imagine anybody does. But I do have a question I think you can answer for me. If Dorothy were here today, do you think she would want to stay and let the waters wash both of you away with everything else? Clyde pursed his lips and then extended his hand. Tyler helped raise him to his feet. He did not bring anything with him. He only nodded his head as he let Tyler help him into the boat. The old man's plume of white hair blew gently in the breeze as his house receded into the distance. When it was beyond the limitations of sight, he lowered his head. He coughed a mucus rumble in his chest. The wrinkles on the back of his neck grew deeper, and he quivered. Tyler wanted to reach a hand forward to comfort him, but the distance between their seats was too far. It will be all right, he said. Nature will have what it will. As they neared the Arden Lane Convenience Mart on the way out of town, Tyler could see a dark maroon motorboat was anchored out front. A thin man with dark gray hair sat in the white leather driver's seat. Jenny crawled up the back of the boat and made her way to the front. She looked over at him as she sat down beside her father. She pointed her index finger at Tyler as if her hand were a gun. She closed her right eye and worked her thumb up and down, firing imaginary bullets from its barrel. Then her father revved the engine and they jetted away. The V-shaped body of the motorboat cast foamy curls across the water. In a matter of moments, they were quickly out of view. Clyde continued looking down at his hands. His head wagged gently from side to side. He said, It's all gone. It's all gone. The rippling wake of currents from the motorboat rocked their flat-bottom fishing boat back and forth. Tyler kept his hand firm upon the rudder control, piloting them safely to the edge of town. When they arrived, there was no one waiting to greet them. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for downloading and listening. Until next time, this has been The Addendum.